Welcome to Harper Academic Calling. Our podcast is designed to give educators, students, as well as every reader, a behind-the-scenes chat with a range of our authors, from well-loved favorites to up-and-coming debut writers, about their books. Harper Academic calling Muhammad al-Samawi. Muhammad, a Muslim man born and raised in Yemen, was working as an interfaith activist when he began receiving death threats. He fled to the city of Aden, not knowing that he was headed right into a civil war on the verge of erupting. We spoke with Muhammad while he was in New York about the events leading up to this point, as well as the daring escape engineered by four friends through social media. He recounts the full story in his memoir, The Fox Hunt, which goes on sale in hardcover on April 10th. All right, so joining us right now, we have Mohammed Al-Samawi, author of The Fox Hunt, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for inviting me. Of course. Um, so to start us off, I want to start with the event that sort of kicked off everything that happens in the book. So can you talk about Luke and your friendship with him and how you met and how that kind of formed what happened with everything? Sure, yeah. I mean, um, when I saw first Luke, it was kind of like the father that I really want to have in some way. He was very nice, very kind. I'm not speaking that my dad is not friendly or kind, but with Luke, you know, I was able to speak with him about different things, about girls, about <laughs> uh, music, about uh, feelings that, you know, I can't really speak with my dad about it. And we had this kind of relationship. and. I was feeling that he's an amazing human being who loves also Yemen, who really cares about Yemen. And But at the same time, I was feeling like, you know, that he is missing something, which is like he doesn't know a lot about Islam, or mm-hmm. that's what I was actually thinking about. And that's when I decided that, you know, he's a perfect man except about Islam. So I need to be, bring him to be the perfect man, and that's why I need to convert him to be Muslim. Mm-hmm. So then you... I Talk. just, yeah, so I just like went to him and I gave him uh, the Quran and mm-hmm. because I gave him the Holy Book of Quran, he surprised me by giving me the Bible. Mm-hmm. And that's how our relationship became more than that, more just a friendship, but also he opened my eyes about things that I didn't know. I never thought in my life that I would be able to read actually the Bible and discuss with him about it. Mm-hmm. So what did you learn from reading the Bible? It's an amazing book. It's a, there's a lot of similarities between the Bible and Quran. And uh, when I was reading it, to be honest with you, I started uh, saying that, aha, I wanted to find the aha to say that my book is much better than this book. Mm-hmm. But what happens that I was really fascinated about the similarities between um, Quran and the Bible and how it's like similar books in a lot of ways. If you, when you read the Bible, there is a lot of phrases. If you just translate it to Arabic, it will be the same thing as Quran. Mm-hmm. So has that, um, so reading the Bible, has that shaped your view of religion today? You're still, you st- you're still Muslim, I'm correct? still Muslim, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I just have a bigger view now about whether if you are a Muslim or Christian or Jews, like, you know, or even different religion, uh, you still can be a good person. Uh, you don't need just to be a Muslim in order to be a good person. Uh, in each religion, there is a beautiful thing. In each religion, there is a lot of similarities between different religions. And that's why I feel there's no need to convert people to Islam anymore. <laughs> uh, all of us, in some way, we are 
trying to be a good people and that religion in any way it's helped to shape that. Mm -hmm. So then in the midst of all of this, you found yourself in the middle of this conflict, the civil war that was brewing in Yemen. Could you explain for the listeners who might not be familiar with it, what, who the different factions were and how all of that kind of came to be? Sure. So in Yemen, it was always kind of like uh, in between, like, you know, uh, uncertain political situation. And what happened in Yemen, it started by political situation where the Arab Spring came and people want to change the former president of Yemen, Ali Abdullah Saleh. But unfortunately, you know, at that time, we didn't have the capability, you know, to change. uh, And we didn't know actually how we can really use uh, our right to use the democracy, our right to say, like, we don't need, we don't want him, we need someone else. And there is a group called Houthis. Uh, This group are an extreme Shia group. Uh, They have this disgusting logo which says, death to America, death to Israel, damn the Jews. They take advantage of the situation because of... uh, of the instability political situation and they came to the capital city they controlled the capital city and basically they forced people to follow them and uh, that's when I started receiving actually the threats and I couldn't live in Sana'a anymore um, so they controlled Sana'a I moved to Aden and I thought that I'll be safe in Aden but guess what they came all the way from Sana'a to Aden mm-hmm. and then the five started to be between extreme groups like Al-Qaeda um, be, um, groups like the Southern Movements and also Houthis, and I was in the middle of this fighting. Mm. So then you were able to actually use social media to engineer an escape. It was the last hope for me, to be Uh honest. Before I used used, uh, social media, I tried to contact with my friends. I tried to contact with uh, the organization that I used to work with. I tried to contact my family, and nobody was able to help me out. Social media was the last hope that to find uh, someone to say yes. And one of the really great things about that was that it was you reaching out to people of different faiths, which a few years before you probably wouldn't have seen yourself doing. Can you imagine that I was thinking that if someone would kill me to be a Jew or Christian? Uh huh. And now, like you know, that my life was actually saved by Jews and Christians and Muslims. Um, uh, when I when I start. Um, reaching people on Facebook, I asked everyone. I didn't care who they are, where they are. I just asked for help. It, my, it was my last call to survive. And it's an amazing thing that, you know, how they responded, even though they're far, far away from me. They live in the United States. Um, how many times we receive requests that we think it's weird. Uh, these people says yes, I want to spend the time and my energy to help you out. Mm-hmm. That's great. So for our listeners, um, we are recording this podcast on April 4th, and this marks the third anniversary of Muhammad's escape from Yemen. So how do you commemorate this anniversary? Well, when I was, when, when I was uh, three years ago trying to escape, it was the Passover, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the 4th of April, and I was crossing the Red Sea uh, from Yemen to Djibouti, by uh, an Indian military ship Mm -hmm. and the Indian military ship was very nice to me very kind to me I I just remember you know when I was in that military ship they start playing Indian music because they don't want us to hear the airstrikes they don't want us to hear the gun shooting and they just want us to start like calm down that we are safe finally 
So how to celebrate that? Every year I try to go to eat Indian food. <laughs> it's, kind, it's kind of like celebra- a celebration of my uh, escape and freedom. Uh, my experience was an amazing thing. Like country like India was able to to help me also to escape to Djibouti to Africa. Mm. Oh, that's so great! I like that, and I hope you get a good meal tonight. <laughs> I like Indian food. So today, actually, I will go um, with my one of my friends who helped me out to escape, and we will celebrate to have Indian food. Oh, great! Which which friend? Daniel. He okay. lives he lives in New York and. Uh, uh, Megan lives in Washington, D.C. Natasha lives in Tel Aviv. And Justin lives in San Francisco. All right. Great. Um, so in telling your story to people um, here in the U.S., what have your what kinds of reactions have you gotten from people talking about the book, about your escape in general? The g- general feedback is amazing. It's mm-hmm. more than what I was thinking about. Um, people came to me and they said that, you know, we, we want to read the Quran from now on, uh, people came to me, we want to read the Muslims came and they said, we want to read the Torah, we, we need to know more about the Bible. And that's the message that I really want to to say. I want really to focus on how we are similar to each other instead of focusing about the differences and about the conflict that actually make us divided. Mm-hmm. Um, so the story, it helps a lot of people also to be inspired to help other even activists around the world um, there's two friends who was hearing the story and they felt that they can help actually another people and, uh, and they helped one of my friends actually um, who was help like asking for help and they helped him and uh, he is now in um, United States. That's great. So you're still reaching out between different religions today? Yeah, it's a it's a purpose of my life. Uh, um, when I was in Yemen and I was hiding in the bathroom. You can imagine I don't have electricity, I don't mm-hmm. have food, and I was feeling like, you know, what's going to happen to me? I prayed to God. I prayed to God and I told him, if this is, was the right thing that I, I, I was doing, and you were happy about what I was doing, I'm sure you would help me out to be escaped. And I'm here today with you, so I feel that's the purpose of my life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so you're here in the U.S. with us right now, um, but your family is back in Yemen. Do you keep in touch with them? Are you able to talk to them often? Unfortunately, the situation in Yemen is getting worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is actually now uh, kind of like hard to use Facebook or WhatsApp even in Yemen, social media. Um, not only about my family, like even like about my friends and other Yemenis, it's hard for me to communicate with them. Uh, there is no electricity, electricity since three years. So the situation is, is bad and... Uh, I'm trying really hard to make advocacy about the situation in Yemen to end the war. Mm-hmm. And I have to admit that before reading the book, I didn't really know that much about what was going on. I knew there was some conflict, but I wasn't aware of the full scope of it. What do you think about the situation in Yemen currently? People, especially in the U.S., should know that they don't know right now. What I was trying to focus about, and that's one of the reasons why I actually decided to write this book, mm-hmm. is that I want people to understand that the situation in Yemen is that kind of a war that Yemen is not involved with. It's a war between two countries, between two sects, uh, who are trying to involve Yemen in this, and unfortunately we are in the middle of this. People in Yemen are suffering. They don't have... A, I know a lot, of, a lot of my friends, even they reach me on Facebook, uh, and they asked me, can you please send us $50? Because we don't have food to eat. This kind of amazing thing. Yeah. And it's sad. 
um, the internet in Yemen is very slow and in order to use Facebook they're using VBN, a VBN like an app to broadcast and to use Facebook uh, people trying to live their lives and unfortunately United States uh, is part of giving uh, weapons to Saudi, Arabia, to Saudi Arabia which actually killed a lot of people in Yemen so what can um, people in the U.S. do? What kinds of actions can people take to address this? Thank you. This is a very important question. There is a couple of things that we can do um, and people in America can do. First of all, you can reach your senators, uh, senators and congressmen. Uh, the Senate is just uh, can stop supporting Saudi Arabia by giving weapons. Uh, can you imagine $20 billion weapons to Saudi Arabia and all these weapons are using in Yemen? How many people will be killed? Uh, also, the civilians themselves can actually reach NGOs who work in Yemen who need actually financial help to give food, to give security, to give medical supply to Yemenis. Um, one of these uh, organizations is Oxfam or International Rescue Committee um, who actually work in, in Yemen and trying to help Yemenis. Um, and the other thing is just be make awareness. We are living in a world of social media. Anyone can just make people know what's happening in the situation in Yemen. If you just post about the situation in Yemen, if you remind people what's happening in Yemen, people will care more. Yemenis need to feel that. What Yemenis need now to feel that Americans really care about them, that they are not alone in this war. Uh, they need to feel that you know people are supporting them and people are trying to stop the war. So just even by posting on Facebook, you might make the change. You might make the pressure that actually can end the war in Yemen. And if there's anyone who can speak to the power of social media to change lives, to reach people, it's got to be you. <laughs> Facebook is uh, an amazing tool for me that opened my eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not only that, but was a- I was able actually to escape by posting on Facebook and asking people to help me out. I think in so- social media in general, like in countries like Yemen, it became the main resource for news, for updates. Uh, people trying to see what's happening around the uh, around the world on Facebook. Um, before Facebook, we were just using reading the um, newspaper, the formal newspaper. We're just seeing the news on the TV, the formal channels. So we only have one resource of news. We only have one kind you can say propaganda. But mm-hmm. now, actually, by the help of Facebook, by the help of social media, you can really seeking about what really the different story, what are the other side, what the other side say. Uh, so that's the important thing about social media. Uh, and I keep using social media, I keep using Facebook um, to help me also to do interfaith. I still keep doing interfaith and also making awareness about the situation. You know. All right, great. Uh, so one more question we have for you, and we ask this question of all of the guests on our podcast. Since this is primarily for teachers and their students, who was your favorite teacher? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I would say Luke. 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 What 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 Luke did to me is is an amazing. I mean, I I still think about thinking about him and how when he gave me the Bible, he was actually afraid about me, like you know, because he gave me the Bible and he gave me it. Give me the Bible with plastic bags because he doesn't want anyone to see it with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was calling him and asking him questions, he was always answer, and he wanted really to introduce me beyond what I know. And so I would say, look, 
Great. All right. Well, Muhammad, this has been fantastic. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank, thank you for giving us time. Thanks so much. Of course. Thank you for listening to this episode of Harper Academic Calling. Subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite third-party app for more episodes. And be sure to visit us at harperacademic.com for more information about this and other great books.